This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome to Dissect, long-form musical analysis broken into short, digestible episodes. I'm your host, Cole Kushner. Today, we continue our examination of Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. On our last episode, we explored the album's opening track, Dark Fantasy. We're introduced to the grandiose, awe-inspiring approach to the album's production, as well as many of the album's central themes. It began with an urbanized alteration of Roald Dahl's retelling of Cinderella, in which the prince, who represents wealth, celebrity, and privilege, reveals a merciless dark side that contrasts with a typical happily ever after approach to the story. We saw how this was a metaphor for Kanye's own life after his gaffe at the VMAs revealed to him the cruel fickleness of celebrity. We were also presented with Kanye's nostalgic reminiscings of his life pre-stardom, a kid from Chicago who, like many of us, fantasized about fame and fortune. This was contrasted with present-day Kanye, who acquired fame but alludes to alcohol, drugs, and sex as escapism from the emptiness he knows is at the center of his Lamborghini-filled life. After Dark Fantasy's extended, lavish outro, a sultry, glistening guitar solo announces the album's next track, the subject of today's episode, Gorgeous. Gorgeous was produced by Kanye West, No ID, and Mike Dean. The track is built around an interpolation of the 1968 song, You Showed Me, performed by the Turtles. I'll be using this word interpolation a lot this season, so it behooves us to take a brief sidebar to define it before diving into Gorgeous. We covered sampling at length in our second episode this season, and interpolation, at least in hip-hop music, is like sampling's cousin. Interpolation refers to a melody, portions of a melody, or a brief passage of music from a previously recorded song. It's a musical quote. But rather than sample the passage and use the original recording, Interpolation sees a passage re-recorded by musicians in the studio. Let's hear a few examples. Beyonce's Hold Up from her 2016 album Lemonade interpolates a few sources. First, the song's refrain. Hold up, they don't love you like I love you. Slow down, they don't love you like I love you. Back up, they don't love you like I love you. Step down, they don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no This line, they don't love you like I love you, was interpolated from the Yeah Yeah Yeah's 2004 hit Maps. Wait, they don't love you like I love you. 
The outro of Beyonce's Hold Up also contains an interpolation. These lines quote Soldier Boy's 2009 track Turn My Swag On. However subtle, interpolations typically require copyright permissions. Both the Yeah Yeah Yeahs and Soldier Boy received writing credits on Hold Up for the interpolations used on the track. Other interpolations are not as subtle as Hold Up. Puff Daddy's I'll Be Missing You contains both a sample and an interpolation of the police's 1983 hit Every Breath You Take. In Puff's version, the guitar is sampled directly from the original police recording, but the vocals are re-recorded by Faith Evans, technically making the vocal part an interpolation. An interpolation can be overt, like this Puff example, subtle, like our Beyonce examples, or anywhere in between. Bringing it back to Gorgeous, the track interpolates the 1968 song You Showed Me, performed by the Turtles. Now the hook of gorgeous. Ain't no question if I want it, I need it. I can feel the slowly drifting away from me. I'm on the edge, so why you playing? I'm saying I will never ever let you let this down, down, down. Clearly the vocals have been modified both lyrically and melodically and Kanye's studio musicians have re-recorded the underlying harmony. But the two are similar enough that You Showed Me songwriters are given writing credits on Gorgeous. The same interpolated melody used on the hook of Gorgeous is also the plush guitar riff that plays nearly the entire song. This guitar riff is a sample of Enoch Light and the Glittering Guitar's 1969 instrumental version of You Showed Me. And so somewhat ingeniously, Gorgeous contains both a sample and interpolation of the same song. The sample guitar riff comes from the Enoch Light's instrumental cover of You Showed Me, and the interpolation of its melody comes from the Turtles' original. When the song's co-author Kid Cudi heard the Gorgeous beat, he immediately lobbied to get on the track. He told MTV, quote, Gorgeous was one of those records that, as soon as I heard the beat, I was like, man, this is the one. This is that This Can't Be Life Kanye beat. 
This is that classic yay beat. I want to be on this. Of course, Cuddy did make it on Gorgeous. Let's take a listen to the opening hook in full. Ain't no question if I want it, I need it. I can feel the slowly drifting away from me. I'm on the edge, so why are you playing? I'm saying I will never, ever let you let this down, down, down. The hook opens, ain't no question if I want it, I need it. I can feel it slowly drifting away from me. Given what we know about the circumstances surrounding this album, coping with his mother's passing, the end of his marriage engagement, and the VMA debacle, the it here on the hook takes on multiple meanings. On one hand, it can represent fame and Kanye's diminishing public reputation. It can also represent a more general despair, perhaps even allusions to suicidal thoughts. For further evidence, we turn to the next line, I'm on the edge, so why are you playing? Clearly, Kanye is in a fragile state mentally. Years after the release of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Kanye would admit to being deeply depressed after his mother's passing, even having suicidal thoughts. The hook of Gorgeous continues, I will never ever let you live this down, down, down. Of course, we think instantly of the VMA incident, with this line representing the public's unified voice lashing out at Kanye. Also, having just heard, I'm on the edge, down, down, down has ominous suicidal connotations. We can also view, I will never ever let you live this down, as Kanye talking to himself. That if he fails to produce a successful redemption album and lose all he's worked for, he'll never forgive himself. This sentiment is accentuated on the repeat of the hook, in which the line, I'm on the edge, becomes, no more chances, if you blow this, you bogus. I can feel it slowly drifting away from me. No more chances if you blow this, you bogus. I will never ever let you live this down. While we understood the stakes of my beautiful dark twisted fantasy because of research of the events that led to its creation, the hook of Gorgeous is the first time we hear Kanye actually establishing those stakes on the album itself. Mind you, this is all heard via the voice of Kid Cudi who becomes a narrator in Kanye's personal journey. In an interview with MTV, Cuddy stated that the thematic direction of the hook came from Kanye himself. Quote, Whatever Kanye tells me, I just try to put it in my little machine and make the perfect solution for it. That's always been our collab formula, and that's just how Gorgeous came about. He just kind of told me what he was trying to say. I threw out some words, we rearranged words, and we came out with a bunch of different options before coming up with the hook. Unquote. This will become a motif on Twisted Fantasy, this use of third-party surrogate narrators commenting on and progressing the album's loose storyline. On Gorgeous, Cuddy establishes one of the album's central themes of mortality, and indeed, on the song's verses, we'll hear Kanye rap as if his life depended on it. But before moving on, I do want to point out an ingenious use of harmony on the song's hook. If we recall from our last episode, the song Dark Fantasy used a compositional technique called a deceptive cadence to transition from the hook to the verse. It exploited our expectations of hearing this progression and our innate yearning for resolution with the tonic or home chord, which in Dark Fantasy's case is F major. Instead, when the song transitioned to the verse, we got resolution through a D minor chord. F major, a happy chord, and D minor, 
a dark chord, have two out of their three notes in common, yet have totally different emotional qualities. Because of those shared notes, we noted how their relationship was closely related, what music theorists call relative minor. D minor is literally F major's dark side, and is used in dark fantasy as a tonal representation of the duality of fame, good and evil. Gorgeous also makes use of this tonal duality, but executed differently. The song's hook oscillates between three chords, C-sharp minor, E major, and F-sharp minor. C-sharp minor and E major have the same tonal relationship as F major and D minor we just discussed. They share two of the same notes, and C-sharp minor is E major's dark side, its relative minor. In this progression, the E major chord, our poor, well-intentioned chord that represents purity and light, is surrounded by our chords of darkness, C-sharp minor, below it, and F-sharp minor, above it. Here's the progression one more time. Now let's think about some of the lyrical phrases set over this progression. I can feel it slowly slipping away from me. I'm on the edge, so why are you playing? Clearly, Kanye fears losing his grasp on the goodness in his life, his mother, his fiance, his success post-VMAs, and now finds himself being pushed and pulled by darkness all around him. Tonally, the chord progression is doing just that. It begins with our dark C-sharp minor, moves up to our bright E major, and up again to another dark chord, F-sharp minor. E major is literally enclosed by two minor chords on either side, trapped in the middle and oscillating desperately between the two, a tonal reflection of the struggle Kanye feels within himself. After three repetitions of this progression with slight variation, an A major chord is introduced during the last line, I'll never ever let you live this down, down, down. And now on piano alone. First our original chord progression. And now the A major chord. Can you feel that? Before playing the rest of the progression, Let's just feel the breath and openness that comes with this change. After the somberness and unease of the previous minor bass progression, the A major is an optimistic harmonic and emotional shift. Unfortunately, its presence is momentary, a mere setup for the free fall that happens next. The remainder of this concluding chord progression is a harmonic descent, and we end up back where we started, C sharp minor. For clarity's sake, here are just the descending bass notes of this passage. And wouldn't you know, the lyric that accompanies this dramatic down, down, downward descent is I will never ever let you live this down, down, down. Again, Kanye and his co-writers ingeniously employ harmonic accents and subtleties that heighten our emotional experience with the lyrics. And as a brief but related aside, the same technique was actually employed on the album's previous track, Dark Fantasy. Lyrically, the song's hook is just one line, can we get much higher? This is sung over a four chord progression that, you guessed it, ascends upward, higher and higher. And again for clarity, just the bass notes of this passage. In Dark Fantasy, we have lyrical and harmonic ascension as Kanye establishes his character as rich and successful. 
On Gorgeous, we have both lyrical and harmonic descent, as this character begins a downward spiral into the dark, twisted recesses of fame. If the hook of Gorgeous establishes the album's stakes, that Kanye's career and perhaps his life is dependent on the success of Twisted Fantasy, then the three verses find Kanye rapping as if his life depended on it. He returns to a subject that he addressed regularly on both the college dropout and late registration, the experience of the black male in America. Penitentiary chances, the devil dances, and eventually answers to the call of autumn. All them falling for the love of falling. Get caught with 30 rocks, the cop look like Alec Baldwin. Inner century anthems based off inner city tantrums, based off the way we was branded. Face it, Jerome get more time than Brandon. And at the airport, they check all through my bag and tell me that it's random, but we stay winning. The verse begins Penitentiary chances, the devil dances, and eventually answers to the call of autumn. All them fallen for the love of ballin. Got caught with 30 rocks, the cop looked like Alec Baldwin. Straight away, Kanye constructs a deeply complex portrait of the circumstances of the black male in America. Penitentiary chances alludes to America's bloated prison population and the high likelihood that a black male faces imprisonment in their lifetime. Indeed, the penitentiary chances are quite high, with currently one in three black men expected to see some sort of incarceration in their lifetime. Kanye likens this sentiments to the devil's work, the devil being a recurring presence throughout the album, and already mentioned several times on Dark Fantasy. The devil dances, tempting as he does, impoverished black men, with drug dealing and other illegal activities, then answers to the call of autumn, which is the season where things die, where things fall. Then, in a sudden, very Kanye West pivot, he puns 30 Rock, both an NBC comedy show and crack cocaine, and a typical white American police officer, represented by Alec Baldwin, the star of 30 Rock. Kanye continues, intercentury anthems based on inner city tantrums, based off the way we was branded. Face it, Jerome get more time than Brandon. Kanye here links together an insightful chain of cause and effect. Hip-hop songs, or intercentury anthems, are created based on the plight of the black experience, or inner city tantrums. These are themselves a product of the unequal perception and biases of black Americans, or the way we was branded. Kanye then elaborates on race branding, calling out the inequality of the justice system, by comparing the prison sentences of black males and white males, illustrated by the names Jerome, a black name, and Brandon, a white name. Kanye here could be alluding to the sentence disparity that developed in the 1980s war on drugs. Crack cocaine, a primarily black drug, landed you a sentence 100 times longer than powder cocaine, a primarily white drug. It wasn't until Obama's 2010 Fair Sentencing Act that this disparity was lowered, and the five-year minimum sentence for simple possession of crack cocaine was removed. As verse 1 continues, Kanye pivots from universal commentary to personal commentary. After outlining some of the nation's race issues in the first half of the verse, Kanye pivots to himself, saying, And at the airport, they check all through my bag and tell me that it's random. This anecdote exemplifies that even at Kanye's level of fame and success, he's still a black man living in America and is not immune to its consequences. Kanye continues with a more optimistic approach, noting that we stay winning and that he needs a happy ending, a new beginning, a new outfit, and a new job. Kanye often takes a more quote-unquote common man perspective 
in order to make his music more relatable to his audience, something that he's addressed in interviews. Go listen to all my music. It's the codes of self-esteem. It's the codes of who you are. If you're a Kanye West fan, you're not a fan of me. You're a fan of yourself. You will believe in yourself. I'm just the espresso. I'm just a shot in the morning to get mm. you going, to make you believe that you can overcome that situation that you're dealing with all the time. As the verse concludes, Kanye says, I treat the cash like the government treat AIDS. I won't be satisfied till all my N-words get it. Here, Kanye is addressing the conspiracy that U.S. government scientists created AIDS to kill black people. While it may strike some as an egregious statement, the thought at least in part stems from the fact that over half our country's new AIDS infections occur among black people, despite them making up just 12% of the population. New research suggests that prison is the cause for the disproportionate contraction of AIDS, and that the increase in black AIDS victims coincided with the increase of the disproportionate rise in black prisoners, beginning in the 1980s war on drugs. When viewed this way, Kanye's AIDS line actually brings the verse full circle, back to the opening statement, penitentiary chances. After an abbreviated hook, Kanye continues his discourse on race relations and his position in America. It's hip-hop just a euphemism for a new religion The soul music of the slaves that the youth is missing But this is more than just my road to redemption Malcolm West had the whole nation standing at attention As long as I'm a polo smiling, they think they got me But they'll try to crack me if they ever see a black me I thought I chose a field where they couldn't sap me If a nigga ain't shooting the jumps, I'm running to trap me But this pimp is... Kanye begins the verse, is hip-hop just a euphemism for a new religion? The soul music of the slaves that the youth is missing. It's a valid question, and ties back into Kanye's opening lines of verse 1, in which he suggested that rap is the product of inner-city plight, which is itself a product of the discriminatory treatment blacks endure. He likens the cathartic chain gang and field anthems of slaves to hip-hop anthems of today, who use music as a blueprint for their lives much like people use religion. And if hip-hop is a new religion, Kanye considers himself a high priest, as he states next, This is more than just my road to redemption. Malcolm West had the whole nation standing at attention. Kanye is simultaneously acknowledging the stakes of the album in his own life and mind, but also viewing his music as something more than personal triumph. It's a visionary, albeit controversial, spearhead to a national movement, similar to Malcolm X during the Civil Rights Movement. Kanye continues with more dense wordplay. As long as I'm in polo smiling, they think they got me, but they would try to crack me if they ever saw a black me. The polo comment is in reference to his early career in which Kanye was known for his brightly colored polo shirts, a very safe public image for a black man in America, one that whites feel comfortable accepting. Kanye then states that they would crack me if they ever saw a black me, that if he showed himself to be anything other than a docile suburbanite, they would crack him, which alludes to the crack of the slave whip and crack cocaine, both referenced earlier. The allusions to slavery continues when he states, I thought I chose a field where they couldn't sack me if an N-word ain't shooting a jump shot running a track meet. The field here reminds us of cotton fields slaves worked, which he then likens to today's football fields, basketball courts, and track and field. All the fields whites are comfortable with black people inhabiting, a kind of callback to his unthreatening pink polo. Like verse 1, midway through verse 2, Kanye pivots on the word but. It begins a threat of empowering affirmations. But this pimp is at the top of Mount Olympus, ready for the world's games. This is my Olympics. We make them say oh, cause the game's so pimpish. Choke a South Park writer with a fish stick. I insisted to get up off of this dick. And these drugs, niggas can't resist it. Remind me when they try to have Ali enlisted. If I ever wasn't the greatest nigga, I must have missed it. Ain't no question. 
Kanye's pivot begins, but this pimp is on top of Mount Olympus, ready for the world's games, this is my Olympics. These lines are a play off his previous line about marginalizing black people as athletes. Kanye claims himself on top of the highest mountain in Greece, ready for whatever shenanigans the public throws his way. Again, we're reminded of the album stakes in Kanye's mind, which he likens to his personal Olympics, and the quality of his bars thus far makes it clear that he's going for nothing less than gold. Next, Kanye jabs, choke a South Park rider with a fish stick. This is in reference to the infamous 2009 South Park episode Fish Sticks, an entire episode dedicated to Kanye's inability to understand a joke about the word fish sticks sounding like fish dicks. Now, explain it to me. Why do people think I'm a gay fish? Cause, cause you like fish dicks, man. Come on, man. Don't you get it, please? Just get it, man. Why? Look at me. Look at me. I love fish sticks. I love putting fish sticks in my mouth. You're a, you're a gay fish, man. Coming after the World's Games Olympics line. Kanye's jab back at South Park appears to be a display of his lyrical athleticism. A single passing line is all Kanye needs to blow off the world's assertive efforts to slander him. Kanye concludes the verse with a callback to the opening lines of verse 1, and these drugs and words can't resist it. And in another unexpected pivot says, remind me of when they tried to have Ali enlisted. Here, Kanye equates African Americans going for prison for drug offenses to Muhammad Ali's five-year prison sentence for resisting his mandatory military service in the Vietnam War. This thread that holds this seemingly random pivot together is the U.S. government, who control both the laws and the enforcement of those laws. Cleverly, the phrase Ali enlisted is pronounced to also sound like Ali and Liston, a reference to Ali's famous 1964 fight against Sonny Liston, where he won the heavyweight belt for the first time. It should also be noted that Ali first received widespread attention as a boxer in 1960, before his first professional boxing fight, when he won the gold medal at the Olympic Games in Rome, which calls back to the Olympic references earlier in the verse. Kanye punctuates the verse's conclusion by quoting Ali's famous I am the greatest speech. I am the greatest. After a repetition of another abbreviated hook, verse 3 begins. I need more drinks and less lights, and that American apparel girl in just tights. She told the director she's trying to get in the school. He said take them glasses off and get in the pool. It's been a while since I watched the two, cause like a crip set, I got way too many blues for any more bad news. I was looking at my resume, feeling real fresh today. They rewrite history, I don't believe in yesterday. And what's a black beetle anyway? A fucking roach? I guess is why they got me sitting there fucking coach. My guy said I need... Connie begins verse 3 with a play on the phrase, I need more dreams and less life, with his own, I need more drinks and less lights. Here he again alludes to an alcohol dependency, and lights represent the spotlight he ran from post-VMAs. Connie continues with an intricate vignette, first stating somewhat misogynistically that he needs that American apparel girl in just tights. But Connie quickly pivots to a more empathetic perspective, saying, she told the director she's trying to get into school. He said, take them glasses off and get in the pool. These lines are in reference to the American Apparel's risque ads and the string of sexual harassment lawsuits that were charged against their CEO, Dov Charney. The girl in Kanye's vignette is attempting advancement through education, signified by her glasses and mention of school, and the director clearly desires to exploit her. After all of Kanye's talk of exploitation and mistreatment of blacks, it would seem he sympathizes and sees parallels with the plight of women. 
Next, Kanye alludes again to his exile and depression, stating, It's been a while since I watched the tube. Because like a crip set, I got way too many blues for any more bad news. Clearly, the television will bring more sorrow for Kanye, as he was a butt of seemingly every late-night talk show for months after the VMAs. Kanye then sharply pivots to optimism by referencing the success of his earlier album, saying, I was looking at my resume, feeling real fresh today, only to counter with the line, They rewrite history, I don't believe in yesterday. This is a play on the Beatles hit Yesterday, and its refrain, I believe in yesterday. I need a place to hide away. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Mm-hmm. While Paul McCartney sings of believing in yesterday, for Kanye it's a little more difficult. Kanye believes his critics have jeopardized his reputation, rewrote history, thus negating his past works and achievements. We can also view this as commentary on race relations, as white men have rewrote and softened our country's history of slavery and deprecating treatment of black folk, who also aren't likely to share McCartney's nostalgic yearnings for yesterday. This is further punctuated by the now classic line, and what's a black beetle anyway, a fucking roach? That's why they got me sitting in fucking coach. Coach or the back of an airplane is being likened to the back of the bus during America's years of segregation. Kanye ends verse 3 with a climactic string of self-empowering shots at his critics. My guy said I need a different approach Cause people is looking at me like I'm sniffing coke It's not funny anymore, try different jokes Tell them hug and kiss my ass, X and no And kiss the ring while they at it Do my thing while I got it Play strings for the dramatic And then that whack shit Act like I ain't had a belt in two classes I ain't got it, I'm coming after whoever who has it I'm coming after whoever who has it You blowing up, that's good Fantastic, that y'all, it's like that y'all I don't really give a fuck about it at all Cause the same people that try to blackball me Forgot about two things, my black balls Kanye verbally assaults those who attempt to ridicule him Saying, tell him hug and kiss my ass, X and O And kiss the ring while they're at it This is clever wordplay As X and O are short for kiss and hug But Kanye then uses the O to symbolize both a jewelry ring A sign of royalty and power and a part of his body that resembles a ring, but is definitely not a ring if you catch my drift. Connie then states, Act like I ain't had a belt in two classes, likening his skills as both rapper and producer to that of a boxer winning championship belts in two weight classes. After a sarcastic dismissal of potential newcomers threatening his spot at the top, Kanye saves his best, most potent line for the end. Cause the same people that try to blackball me forgot about two things, my black balls. Throughout Gorgeous, Kanye stitches together his thoughts on race relations in America and his unwavering self-confidence despite those circumstances. These concluding lines of the verse serve as a perfect punctuation mark to these two themes. Blackballing addresses those attempting to hold Kanye back and those attempting to hold back people of color in general. Kanye then uses the same phrase, my black balls, to aggressively assert his pride in himself, his blackness, and by extension the entire black population. It's an empowering line an effective exclamation mark to his three near-flawless verses. Gorgeous repeats its abbreviated hook, and at the 4.30 mark, seems to come to a natural ending point. On any other album, three high-quality verses would be more than enough justification to end a song. But like Dark Fantasy, the song pushes past our standard expectations and into unknown territory. This time, we get sly transformation of the song's beat, which is suddenly stripped of everything but the piano and percussive hits, as Raekwon from the Wu-Tang Clan makes an unexpected entrance. 
a new drum beat is then introduced, over which an original guitar solo is played by Mike Dean. Yo, I don't cop Timses, lived in lenses, kid Armani suits, fresh fruits, valley boots, and benzes. Counting up, smoking, one cuff, live as a red jag, a Louis bag, grabbing the blunt, fuck it, steam about 101 L's, kites off the jails, buying sweats, running up in Stetson. Nigga had game was special, it matched every. In the first half of the verse, Raekwon establishes himself as a wealthy, weed smoking success story. As the verse progresses, he hints that his success was due to the guidance bestowed on him by his elders. Raekwon concludes the verse with words of advice. If you can't live, you're dying, you give in or buy in. Keep it real or keep it moving, keep grinding, keep shining. To every young man, this is the plan. Learn from others like your brothers Ray and Kanye. After Kanye's three-verse sermon on maintaining self-confidence in the face of the obstacles African Americans must overcome to succeed in America, Raekwon both exemplifies and punctuates this lesson. His advice is straightforward. Stay focused and just keep going. Of course, with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, Kanye is doing just that, confronting his personal adversity head on and letting it push him to be the best version of himself. Conclusions Gorgeous is undoubtedly one of Kanye's strongest displays as lyricist and rapper. While the subject matter of the black male experience in America is something we've heard Kanye address multiple times on the college dropout and late registration, Gorgeous is more mature in its craftsmanship, more concise, more experienced, and more venomous. The lyrics are dense and extremely detailed, seemingly every line a callback to the previous line. This intricate approach to lyricism was a conscious effort on Kanye's part as My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was the first album where he actually wrote his raps down on paper. I didn't write my raps down for the first, for my first four albums. Like I all, I just did it from the head straight to the booth, but on um, this last album, uh, on My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I wrote it. Because I, I really put myself in a zone that I felt like my life was dependent on the success of this album. Indeed, there's an area wasted word on Gorgeous as Kanye seamlessly weaves cheeky pop culture references with poignant racial anecdotes and self-empowering affirmations. It's a blueprint to atonement, to overcoming uncontrollable forces with sheer grit, determination, and self-assurance. He seems less concerned with how to end racism and more concerned with how to overcome it, how to do great things in spite of it. Of course, we add layers of emotional and psychological complexity when we consider the narrator Kid Cudi, who observes and provides commentary on Kanye's situation revealing that a fear of failure, fear of judgment, fear of losing it all is a guiding, underlying principle in Kanye's behavior. It would seem for all his bravado, Kanye is not fully confident in his confidence, his ego being a defense mechanism to adversity. It calls to mind something interesting Kanye said on his blog after seeing that South Park episode we discussed earlier, the one that mocks Kanye for failing to get a joke about fish sticks. He said, quote, South Park murdered me last night, and it's pretty funny. It hurt my feelings, but what can you expect from South Park? I actually have been working on my ego. Having the crazy ego has played out at this point in my career and life. I used to use it to build up my esteem when nobody else believed in me. Now that people do believe and support my music, the best response is thank you instead of I told you so. I just want to be a doper person, which starts with me not always telling people how dope I think I am. I need to just get past myself, drop the bravado, and just make dope product." Unquote. 
And thus is the conundrum of a Kanye West. His defiant ego made possible the persistence necessary to succeed as a rapper after years of rejection and laughter by his industry peers. And now post VMAs, that very same ego has jeopardized the career he worked so defiantly to achieve. Kanye's ego is a gift and a curse. And so what's a Kanye West to do? How do you tame the very ego that brought you success? How do you harmonize such conflicting internal emotions? These are complex questions, of course, the answers to which Kanye will attempt to find through more multidimensional exploration of self on the album's next song, Power, which we'll thoroughly examine next time on Dissect. Dissect is written and produced by me, theme music by Bureaucratic. If you enjoy Dissect, consider dropping a review on Apple Podcasts, tell a friend about the show, or share a link on your favorite social media outlet. There's no team behind Dissect, it's just me, and I can use all the help I can get growing the show. Follow at Dissect Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, and join the Dissect community group on Facebook by searching Dissect Podcast. If you'd like to support Dissect, you can do so at patreon.com dissect. It takes me on average around 20 plus hours to research, write, record, edit, mix, master, and publish each episode you hear. I also work full time and have a wife and child, so you can imagine my time is very precious. My dream is to one day be able to produce Dissect full time. If every listener of this show pledged just $1 per month, I could very easily do that. In any case, you'd be helping Dissect become more sustainable and help me offset some of the costs of the show. A huge shout out to my Diamond Level supporters, Evan Sweat, Salmon Chaudhry, Judy Kushna, that's my mom, and Jonathan Hardyway for their extra generous support. Again, that's Patreon, spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash dissect. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you next week. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.